How we doing? I am your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob. Welcome to Station B.O.B. And let me tell you a little about thee. I am a kid from a Harlem hood who turned out good. I got educated like I should. Now I know how to help you grow to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. With that said, I am here to provide you with some clarity associated with the perplexity of the challenges in your life, love, and work. So, without further ado, let's get down on it. Enjoy the show. Yes, welcome once again, my friend, to Station B.O.B., where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. And of course, I am your host, Dr. Rob. And as always, you know it, you say it for me. I am excited, filled with joy and enthusiasm to bring you yet Another podcast And so today This podcast is going to take on a different spin As we are going to digress somewhat From our normal top topics if you will You know this is station B.O.B. where we listen to learn How to become the best of your being in life, love, love And work However today on this podcast We're going to talk about A different subject And I just want you to know For the record I sometimes feel compelled To talk about Whatever needs to be talked about Or spoken about On this podcast Because this is my platform To do just that And so today, today's podcast topic is race, drugs, and guns in America. What do they all have to do with one another? And the survey says racism. That's right. Racism has once again, I believe, well, Not once again, it has always reared its ugly head. But today I'm going to touch upon the subject of race and racism and how it relates to drugs and guns in America. And so today we are going to talk about a topic that I would like to say is very interesting. And that is a phrase I took from a character on an old sitcom from the 1970s called Hogan's Heroes, whereby there was a German character who always used that phrase when something came up. He would say, very interesting. And today, the topic of race, drugs, and guns in America is just that 
I think you will find this discussion to be very interesting. But before I get into the discussion, I feel compelled to make a couple of disclaimers. So what I'm going to discuss today, because I do not want to be misinterpreted, misunderstood, and most of all, I do not want to be mistaken to be an angry black person or a person who is anti-American, if you will. Because I am none of those things. Not at all. What I am is perturbed by the impact of race and guns and drugs on our communities and how the underlying issues related to those matters are all driven by racism. And I also want to add to my disclaimer that in discussing this topic or these subjects, I am not mad at white people because I am discussing the topic of racism. That is not what I do, and that is not what I am doing here either. I understand that many white people, if you will, may not have an active hand behind the driving force of racism itself in America because I understand also that racism is a system that was established many, many, many moons ago. However, consequently, there are some who are beneficiaries of the benefits of race. So therefore, I just want to set the table to get the proper perspective and understanding on record as far as what I am doing here today on my podcast. And so, because you have to be verbally responsible when doing podcasts and other public speaking, and I know that free speech is not free. And I will get into that a little more down the road. And I want to also point out that I do not have any grievances with any race of people. I just want to talk about some things, some facts, maybe shed a little opinion about my feelings related to race, guns, and drugs in America. And that is all I am doing without trying to to display any ill feelings towards anybody, including my white brothers and sisters. That's right, I said it. My white brothers and sisters. For me, it is just about the facts as best as I can point them out to you. And so... I'm doing this podcast on these on these topics because it needs to be discussed. These are topics in America today, and I also believe that talking about the tough top topics is what will move the needle closer to making the world a better place. Now, although it may be a controversial discussion, it is essential that we not be so easily offended and put on our grown-up clothes and let's talk about what needs to be talked about. 
because since we are so reluctant at times to talk about the tough topics, we are still stuck in a quagmire whereby we are unwilling to discuss anything that can make the world a better place. And if we do not talk about it, heck, we will not do anything about it. Now, with that said, let me get on with the topic. Enough of that. I did all I could do to set the record straight regarding my disclaimers. Now, let's get this podcast started. I'm going to go right to the topic of race. And in that same vein, I'm going right to the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, at Robb Elementary School, where 90% of the students there are Latino. Now think about this. Think about this. This was a school shooting, right? Now there have been a myriad of school shootings, predominantly in white schools, by white children who are mad at somebody who has wronged them amongst their respective classmates. And in all of those cases, in each and every one of those cases, the law enforcement agents, meaning the police, SWAT teams, active shooter specialists, you name it, They have all came to the rescue as soon as they possibly could. And they have gone into those schools and accosted the shooter, taking the shooter into custody or perhaps may even on one or two occasions, they may have killed the shooter to save the children in those schools. Now, that's a fact. Now, on the other hand, what happened in Uvalde, Texas? That they had approximately 19 police officers, as it was reported in the news, in the hallway outside of the classroom where that active shooter was located. And they did not take any action to save those children for approximately 49 minutes, as it was reported in the news. And that is one of those things that would make you say, hmm, or even worse, (laughs) think about that. And then think about perhaps why it took so long for the authorities to approach that shooter. Now, we'll get into that and give my answer about what I think took so long for the authorities to approach that shooter. I'll get into that momentarily. But first, I want to point out that today the authorities in Uvalde, Texas, have not provided any 
real explanation for their delay in terms of taking down that shooter. And there is so much controversy around this issue as to why did it take so long for police officers who were properly armed with weaponry and armor, if you will, to save those children. And as a matter of fact, I just heard it reported earlier on the news that the parents, the parents of those children, they want to know why those law enforcement officers did not do anything sooner to save their children and the other children from that school shooter. Well, if there is no other explanation related to a procedural matter and equipment or weaponry failure, then more than likely, I think it comes down to race. And so I'm going to, I'm going to say it because I think it needs to be said. And I'm going to say that they did, those police officers and law enforcement authorities did not act in an instantaneous fashion or accordingly because those children were predominantly Hispanic in that school. That's right, I said it. And I don't say this recklessly or irresponsibly. I mean, I've spoken to a number of colleagues about, you know, what their thoughts or opinions were based on the police delay in coming to the rescue for those children. And hands down, the response was because those were children of color. Now, that I, you know, it's even shameful to say that, and I have no proof of that, but I do believe that that will come out sooner or later. Somebody is going to share that information, that the response was related to the fact that those students were predominantly Mexican, Latino, in those two classrooms. And I know that's a lot to chew on right now. So I'm going to step aside and let a promo in. And we'll pick up our discussion on the other side of the break. Relationship Readiness Life and Work Preparedness Services. The place you come to for coaching, consulting, and counseling in life, love, and work. We are a multi-purpose service organization that will coach you up, educate, guide, and motivate you to succeed. We provide management training and consulting services for all businesses in the areas of employee relations, unionized employees, progressive discipline, the annual review process, and emotional intelligence to develop effective leaders for your organization. And our relationship counseling services for individuals, couples, groups show you how to become relationship ready with improved self-esteem, resilience, and self-awareness. To learn more about our programs and services, please contact Robert T. Gardner Jr. by email at changeagentrtg 
at gmail.com or request a meeting for a free one-hour consultation at relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and let's go back to Station B.O.B. Okay, welcome back. Now, as I was saying, it is my opinion that the delay related to the police response in Uvalde, Texas, had something to do with the race of those children. Because as I said earlier, if you look at the history of all the school shootings that have taken place thus far, which were done or which happened in predominantly white schools, the police responded ASAP, instantly, to take down those shooters. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, those police officers stood in the hallway and said, oh, we're not going in there because those children are Mexican or Latino. What I'm saying is, why all of a sudden did they find reasons not to go in the class, like not having the key for the door, not having the proper equipment, which they actually did, as was depicted in the pictures that show the police officers in the school hallway, down the hall from the location of where the shooter was, where they were armed with automatic rifles and they had shields. So they were probably armed. So again, I'm not saying that they sat there and someone said, no, we're not doing that because of who is in that classroom. But, B-U-T, all of a sudden they found reasons not to go in to those classrooms and save those children. So... What I am saying is all of a sudden, the law enforcement authorities found some reasons not to go into that classroom that were at the time more important than the lives of those third and fourth grade students. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How could there be anything more important than those children in that classroom? who were on their cell phones begging the police to rescue them. Yet, the officers did not advance their positions to save those children. I believe race came into play here, and it will come out at some point in time that race played a role in the delayed response to the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Yep. That's right, I said it. I mean, one of the authorities in in Uvalde, Texas, he, he said himself that this case has been called, this case has been called an abject failure. Do you know what abject means? It means that something bad was experienced to the maximum degree. They said this situation was an abject, A-B-J-E-C-T, an abject failure by the police authorities. 
and their in regard to their response to this shooting. It was reported on the news that those officers did not even follow the active shooter training they recently had to quell that situation. Think about this. And all of the other school shootings on record, and predominantly white schools, they have all ended as fast as humanly possible with police action that resulted in either the successful apprehension of the shooter or the takedown of the shooter. But in Uvalde, Texas, there has been no explanation as to why the police did not move in on that shooter. When in doubt, you cannot leave racism out. Now, let's talk about guns. I mean, we were just talking about guns, but we were talking about it as it relates to the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And the discussion above is a good segue into my discussion about guns on this podcast today. And there are a couple of things I want to point out here regarding guns. When I say let's talk about guns, I'm talking about, you know, new gun laws, the regulation of guns to slow down the proliferation of the gun violence, which is on fire all over the United States. And so, according to the politicians and even the former President Trump, The Second Amendment comes into play here. And I think it is just inexplicable how racism comes into play regarding the improved or any attempts to improve gun laws to restrict and reduce the proliferation of gun violence all over the United States. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But first, let me briefly talk about the Second Amendment's the Second Amendment rights of gun owners. Now, I feel compelled to discuss this because there seems there seems to be a lack of awareness regarding the Second Amendment. As people seem to want to hold on tight to this gun right or right to bear arms. But before I do that, let me let me let me just provide you with a definition of amendment which will set the table for the point I'm trying to make regarding the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms in the United States. The word amendment, as you know, it means a minor change or addition designed to improve text or a piece of legislation in order to make it better, okay? In addition... The U.S. Constitution, that document is known to be what is called a living document. And so what what does it mean to be a living document? 
let me just break that down. A living document, this document was created back in September of 1787 at a time where things were far more different back then than they are today. And so a living document is something that can be amended, modified, revised, updated, upgraded to be more relevant to the current times as opposed to its relevance that was important during the times when the document first came into existence. And so, as I said, a living document means that it can be amended and modified to be more congruent with the day and time that we are living in right now, right here at this specific time. And so, as I said a minute ago, the Constitution came into existence on September 17th of 1787. Now, at that time, we hunted for food daily. We lived in a developing society whereby people took the law into their own hands at times, and killing one another was not as regulated then as it is today. So, at that time, in September of 1787, there was a need for some firepower, if you will, to not only hunt for food, but also to to survive in a relatively lawless, developing civilization. Now, let's fast forward 400 years later. And gun violence, mass shootings are out of control. And hunting is in demand. It's a sport. It's a recreation. But hunting for food is not a top priority for men and families anymore. And we live in a more civilized, law-abiding society. The demand for guns in general has diminished significantly as it relates to its earlier use around 1787. And yet gun violence is at an all-time high all over the United States. And Congress seems to be the most reluctant to do anything to modify gun laws by way of amending the Second Amendment. For more, you know, just just to add more restrictions to purchase firearms by young people looking to buy these high-powered weapons. I mean, come on, what, what do you make of that? What do you make of that? The NRA, or National Rifle Association, has a hold on our our legislators by way of their financial contributions to these senators' campaigns for office, and at the same time, as as an excuse, on behalf of gun owners, senators claim that they do not want to take away the, the guns of lawful, gun owners in accordance with the Second Amendment. That's hogwash. 
That makes no sense whatsoever. Nobody is trying to take away the guns from lawful gun owners. And the Second Amendment can be amended in a way to provide common sense, stricter gun laws for the safety of the greater good of society. But it seems to me nothing is going to be done about gun safety because when you look at the logistics of gun violence in the United States, it takes place in predominantly urban areas throughout the country and the less wealthy neighborhoods, and it is not an issue that adversely impacts the white youth in this country who reside in the suburbs. And so... There is no urgency on the part of lawmakers to do anything about the proliferation of gun violence. As you can see, the horrific school shootings have not been enough to get any changes done to the gun laws thus far. But let there be an increase of gun violence in the suburban neighborhoods and communities around the country. And and see how fast the Second Amendment will be amended. And I think this is another great segue into my discussion about drugs, race, and racism. Because as I will point out in a few, how nothing was done about the proliferation of heroin overdoses in the 1960s and 1970s, when blacks and Hispanics were dying of drug overdoses from heroin at record numbers. I mean, even our war, our veterans from the military, from the Vietnam War, were returning home as heroin addicts, as as that drug was so readily available to them in the jungles of Vietnam. And so as this drug use was in the neighborhoods of urban communities in America, with no action taken whatsoever to address the crime other than arresting the black perpetrators of crime who stole to, uh, you know, they stole and robbed people to, to get money to finance their drug habits, but there was nothing done to address the crime or the death of these black and Hispanic men and women. But B-U-T, Now that opioids is an issue in the suburbs and beyond, it is a real thing for legislators now to try and solve the drug problem. And with that said, let me share with you some statistics related to the deaths in connection with opioids and white people and the statistics related to the deaths in connection to heroin overdoses and black people. But before I do that, I have to let a promo in and we'll pick up the discussion on the other side of the break. Have you read any good books lately? Your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob, is the author of three great books. In his first book, The Choices We Make, Robert takes a look at relationships to help readers learn how to have a good relationship with themselves before they can have good relationships with others. In his second book, Access Denied, Robert brings an eye-opening perspective 
about what happens to children and fathers when their relationships with the mothers of their children end on bad terms. Robert explores what he calls child pawn when a parent, usually the mother, uses a child as a weapon to hurt the other parent. Robert provides a let-go lab in his book to help parents find positive ways to resolve their issues in the best interest of their children. Light Up Your Life is Robert's latest book. Robert writes about the fact that we are all born with a special God-given talent. Even though we are all born with a special talent, most of us miss our true calling. In this book, you will learn how to find your special talent and light up your life so that you can become the person you were born to be and live a more fulfilled, purpose-driven life. Books are available at barnesandnobles.com, amazon.com, and Robert's website, relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and back to the show. Okay. Thank you, and welcome back. And as I was saying, excuse me, just before I let the promo in, that I want to share some statistics with you related to the deaths in connection with opioids and white people and the statistics related to the deaths in connection to heroin overdoses and black people during the 1960s and 1970s drug epidemic of heroin all over the United States. So here we go. First, I think it's important that I point out to you what the difference is between heroin and opioids. Heroin is a type of opioid. However, heroin is cheaper in price and can be purchased on the street. It's cheaper in price than the prescription drug of opioid. Heroin and opioids are clinically similar and produce the same effects in terms of the get high and how the uh, consumer of those two drugs feel and are affected. With that said, drug overdoses are the leading cause of accidental death in the United States with opioids being the most common drug. Further, 79% of those who overdosed on opioids are non-Hispanic whites. In other words, white people. The majority of the overdoses from opioids are happening to white people. 10% of, of those Statistics belong to black people and 8% of the the statistics can be attributed to Hispanic people. Now, on the other hand, you know what I found out today? Now, you know, you can find the answers to any question you have on Google, right? So I thought, now, I already, I already knew that. But what I did not know is that I could not get an answer from Google to my question as to how many blacks and Hispanics died from overdoses in the 1960s and the 1970s. Google did not give me an answer to that. How about that? Google does not have an answer to that question. And I hope I am wrong. So if you want, please feel free to Google 
that question. How many blacks and Hispanics died from heroin overdoses in the 60s and 70s? And let me know. Please holler at your boy, Dr. Rob, on that. Send me an email and let me know what you might have discovered. Now, to take this a little further, a year or two ago, I went to a seminar regarding the issues pertaining to opioids and the fact that more young white people are dying from that at prolific numbers. And the drug issue has now risen to a high priority level for lawmakers to adjust the laws to solve that problem. Now, I presented the question to the presenter of this seminar that I find it very interesting to hear him talk about millions of people are dying from drug overdoses related to the opioid drug epidemic. And I brought to his attention that in the 1960s and 1970s, the same thing was happening in the black communities. And there was no reporting of record deaths related to heroin overdoses. And sadly enough, my oldest sister was included in those unrecorded statistics, along with many of her childhood friends who also died from heroin overdoses. I pointed out to the presenter that just as many people died from heroin overdoses back then as have been indicated in the record numbers which are being discussed at this seminar today. And, And I asked him, why is that? How could that be? And the presenter said, Unfortunately, the lawmakers did not care enough about those people at that time to record the number of deaths or to do anything about it as well. And I said to myself, well, how do you do? That is a travesty of justice and a very, very sad state of affairs for how we handle business in America. It seems that major problems that affect people of color are not addressed until those same issues affect white people. It seems to me that the race issue and the topic of racism has a Perpetual damaging and destructive effect on equality for all in America. Because you see, to, to not help one is to not help all. And we see what happened in Uvalde, Texas with those children of color. We see that we cannot get our elected officials to do anything about amending the Second Amendment because for them and their vested interests, there's no reason to make any changes. How about that? And my point is well made in the drug discussion that I just shared with you. 
If you have any questions or doubts about the misappropriation of justice and equality related to gun regulation and drug laws, let me leave you with this piece of history to help you understand how bad race and racism are and how they are used not to protect the people who need help the most, but instead to ignore their most urgent needs based solely for the reason of race and the color of their skin. There is no, that is no way to run a country that requires all of its public schools to pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and recite that this allegiance includes justice for all. So in closing, I want to leave you with another paradoxical historical point of view in terms of how race and racism make absolutely no sense as it has always been the most destructive component of democracy in America. So let me ask you this, or as the Riddler used to say on Batman, Batman, riddle me this. How is it that the Ku Klux Klan, which was started on December 4th, 24th, I'm sorry, started on December 24th, 1865, for the sole purpose to terrorize, burn down, murder, and hang any black person who asserted any type of rights as an American citizen? And... The Ku Klux Klan is still in existence today. Now, on the other hand, the Black Panthers, also known as the Black Panther Party, was started on October 15, 1966, with the purpose of challenging and protecting black citizens from police brutality. Yet... By 1982, the Black Panthers organization had been dissolved at the hands of people like J. Edgar Hoover, the director of the FBI, and a large variety of other law enforcement agencies who set out to shut down any progress achieved by the Black Panthers who sought out to provide protection for black people who were not being protected by law enforcement. Remember what I said about Uvalde, Texas, okay? And at the Robb Elementary School. Think about this. It seems that any good for blacks is shut down, and then the bad is allowed to happen until it spills over into the suburbs. So in closing, I'm going to leave you with that. And I want to thank you once again, my friend, for tuning in. And sometimes we have to talk about the things that we need to talk about 
in order to raise awareness and hopefully take some steps to move the needle in the direction of progress. Because when it comes to race and racism, by golly, enough is enough. And all I could say is please, wherever you are, whoever you are, do your part to end racism today. And on that note, I'm going to leave it right there. And remember, love is an action, not a word. And it's not supposed to hurt. Until we meet again, my friend, be nice to somebody you don't know and say hello to somebody from another race and maybe even develop a friendship because the more friendship we have, the less enemies there will be. Thank you. I hope this was helpful. And I'll talk to you later. Peace. As we wrap up this show, I hope this topic helped you to grow. And now you know a little bit more than you knew before. If you have any questions about this topic, please email me at changeagentrtg at gmail.com. See my website, relationshipreadiness.org. To learn more about my counseling, consulting, and educational programs related to life, love, and work. Finally, in the words of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. Until we meet again, do the right thing when nobody is looking. Peace, beloved.